Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll... what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 83 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me via Zoom, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, bud. What's going on? Not too much, man. We had a pretty exciting weekend, didn't we? We sure did, didn't we? Yeah, buddy. He pulled my ass out of bed, and we went uh, down to the wonderful world of West Virginia. I don't know if I pulled you out of bed. You <laughs> may have pulled me out of bed. <laughs> two One days way. in a row. Waking up that early to do turkey stuff. Boy, was it worth it. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree, my man. Full episodes to come. We have a ton to talk about. We're going to have to start getting just a couple of you and I updates. We haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we got some stuff to talk about. And, you know, hopefully more to talk about coming up here because our season is right around the corner. Yep. It's just about to open up. I think I'm going to go up my camp just because I don't really have anything locally here that I can uh, lean on. And I, I've been hearing there's some birds up there. So I think I'm going to go up there and uh, at least for the opener. Yeah, man. No, I can dig that. I might have my hand on a couple around here. Uh, it's really going to depend on Friday night whether I get any rooster or where I go. Okay. Well, I mean, if you got something in mind and you want, uh, if you want a hunting buddy, I guess I could stay local because at this point, nobody's going to be up there except for Booer. He's going up Friday night to his own camp, and then he was going to meet up with me. But I could just pull off where I meet up with him the Friday, Saturday next week, yeah, you man. know, instead of going for the opener. Yeah. Because I got to turn around and come all the way back down here, and then I might be driving down to West Virginia to meet up with Anthony and go hunt some land down there. Yeah, man. No, I can dig that. Um, let me see what what's going on this week. I'm going to listen to morning or two, and then I'm going to roost a night or two. And if I get my finger on a couple birds, you know, 
I think you should stick around. Yeah, that's kind of my plan too. I'll probably be listening at least a couple mornings. I don't know about tomorrow morning. It's supposed to rain like crazy, but I'll be out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm excited though, man. Our season's finally here. It's been, it feels like an eternity, right? Everybody's been killing birds. Like I was on Instagram today on our page and it seems like there's literally nothing but turkey pictures and videos everywhere, man, everywhere you look and everywhere, (laughs) you know, Sunday was like reinvigorating for me. I really, I was down to turkey hunt, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't like overly like, yeah, let's let's get it. Like I am with whitetails. You know what I mean? I kind of got out of it a little bit, but then Sunday, buddy, I'm freaking yeah. amped, son. I'm amped. Let's get it. <laughs> Sunday was a great day, huh? I mean, dude, West Virginia is an unbelievable state for turkey hunting. And it's so close to us. It's just remarkable how many birds we got on. Like, how lucky, how fortunate were we that we show up, there's three vehicles there, and not one of them was going to the same right side as the road as us. Yeah, that's unreal, man. <laughs> unreal. <laughs> <laughs> worked out good, man. It worked out really good. But I mean, we're going to keep rolling with some turkey content because it's super relevant to us. Obviously, our, our season's just now finally opening. I know the, you guys are probably tired of hearing about turkeys because we've been talking about them for a couple months now where it started opening in Florida and Mississippi and some of them southern states. But now it's finally crept up to Pennsylvania and I am absolutely jacked. Yeah, man. Let us get a couple weeks out of our system here. Maybe we'll shift gears into something else. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's all going to depend. But yeah. I, at, right now, that's the only thing on my head is turkey. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. You keep talking about that dang bass fishing stuff. I, uh, I just don't, don't want to hear it. It happens. But, you know, we got another <laughs> thing coming up that I'm really excited for and everybody should go and uh, register for. Camo Cares. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's on my birthday. Yeah, man. That's going to be a good one. We're going. We're going to be there. You guys should sign up. Meet us there. We'll party. It'll be fun. We'll shoot some bows. We'll, you know, have some fun. Yeah, it looks like we might have uh, two groups even. Potentially. I like that a lot. Yep. Two to three groups going. So our group is full, but we have the PA Bow Hunting Boys going, the Grip and Grin Boys going. We got some other buddies going. So it looks like we may have uh, quite a few guys there. Yeah, man. I'm excited for the meetup. It's going to be good. Heck yeah, man. Well, while we are appreciative of uh, not only what all Camo Cares does, because they are an absolutely amazing organization, and I think everybody should back them. There are some other people, too, that we need to uh, send our gratitude to. Yeah, absolutely, man. Veteran Innovative Products, starting off. Heck yeah. Matt Futere, I talked to that guy dang near on the daily. He is just an unbelievable human being. He is out chasing turkeys right now. If you guys don't know the story behind Matt, I mean, he's been pretty banged up with uh, fighting cancer for the last couple of years. Hasn't been able to really hunt a whole lot. He's out right now chasing turkeys in Wyoming and I think South Dakota. I, I really hope the best for him. I hope he just gets it done, man. He, he's, he deserves it all. Yeah, man. I'm right there with you. And he makes a hell of a product to bag it. Yes, he does. <laughs> and he's got new ones coming. Uh, we are kind of on the back burner for what we can announce, but he has at least I know of two brand new broadheads that should hit the market January 2022. So this is going to hit, you know, not for this deer season. So go out and get your combat veterans because those are the most badass broadhead on the market. In my opinion, hands down, I will not use anything else. 
They are absolutely mean, dude. They they really are. And they leave Freddy Krueger blood trails. That's what I keep going back to because it's just yep. – it's insane. Yeah, I can show anybody some pictures of uh, a deer that our buddy Sam shot where it went in the front scapula and through the meat, probably the heaviest part of any bone on any part of the deer, and it just punctured through the backside, mind you. It went straight through the front side into the backside and bust all the way through sam had to crush it out with a sledgehammer out of the bone and the broadhead was in pristine shape other than the fact that when he hit it with the sledgehammer he broke the blade <laughs> so yeah, replace the blade and you're good to go that broadhead is ready to shoot they are sledgehammer tough <laughs> <laughs> sledgehammer and bone tough <laughs> oh, i like it i like it that so, should be their new slogan Yes. So the <laughs> second one we want to talk about is Scree Gear. Yeah, man. Yeah. Scree Gear, man. I brought it to Oklahoma. I wore it. I wore it at West Virginia. Uh, I mean, how perfect is that? Our, our turkey seasons have already started off, like our youth season, our West Virginia trip, where, you know, in the mornings, it can be anywhere from 30 degrees to the high 20s. And then by afternoon, it's 65 degrees. Yeah. There's something you know? said for a solid layering system, man. Once you get into Merino wool, and you like truly understand what a layered merino wool system will do for you. It's it's like it's a game changer. I hate to use that, but it is a game changer, man. No, it truly is. It really is. I mean, when we went out, it was basically I, I was in between whether I should wear one base layer or two base layers of merino wool. And then I figured, well, it's merino wool. Who cares? You know, if I sweat, I'm not going to get cold because it's merino wool. And, you know, I wore my hikers <laughs> uh, and had merino wool socks on that were just absolutely saturated, right? I had like puddles in my boots because it rained all night and it was probably back for all my part, but my feet never got cold once. Merino wool is just an unbelievable product. And when you layer your base layers with that merino wool, you can go a little heavier because if you sweat, no big deal. You know, you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah, it's naturally antimicrobial, so it's not going to smell it insulates when it gets wet. You're going to stay warm. Might not be the driest, but you're going to be warm still. It's, it's beautiful. And, you know, the great thing about it, especially these early seasons when it can be cold in the morning and warmer in the evening, you know, it's lightweight and it's packable. If you wear it too much, throw it in your, throw it in your turkey vest. You know, it doesn't take yeah. up any room and you're ready to rock one more time. Yeah, those layers go on and off super easy. They're super light and they don't they don't mess with uh, your flexibility or your mobility at all. I mean, it's that's my favorite part of it is it doesn't weigh you down. And it doesn't mess with your mobility. That's what I hate about layering with other clothing in the past is that you would feel like you you're a mummy. You know, what I mean, you can't walk. Yeah, can't absolutely, man. And I'll do you one better. Get yourself twenty percent off using the code WDP twenty. Boom, free gear. Let's go. All right, moving right along. Next in line, we have New Canoe. I just got word. I've been uh, in contact with our New Canoe rep that I will have my new New Canoe probably late June, right around Camo Care shoot. It's supposed to come in like June 23rd. It should ship to the uh, Conneaut Lake location. Sweet, man. I can dig that. I have yet to order mine, but it will be getting ordered soon. You're going with the Flint? I am going with the Flint. And it sounds like a couple of our buddies have gone with the Flint, too. Nick Chandler went with I saw it. That. Yep. Chase Prince went with it. Our buddy Walter Lee went with it. You know, it's there's there's a reason why all of these guys who are huge hunters and huge fishermen are picking new canoes, man. They're built like a brick shed house. They're 100% stable as all hell. <laughs> I, I can't say enough about them, how good they yeah. are. Yeah, customizable fully. You can do anything with them. They're going to be absolutely amazing. The stuff that... 
the Rutten River guys do with theirs. I, I mean, it's like catfishing them. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I can't like, wait, man. I can't wait. I'll have the unlimited in my hands. I'm following Parker McDonald's footsteps, and I'm going full out unlimited with the new one. I like it, man. They're like the Legos of kayak. <laughs> <laughs> Go get yourself a new canoe, guys. Yep. And last but not least, A and F Custom Calls, man. That's right. What How have we been using all calls? season, man? And what have we been using for years? Enough custom calls. I mean, I just got my memory back uh, on Facebook. There was a memory of like the first, uh, it was a bearded hen that I shot back in 2018. That felt like an eternity ago. That was only three seasons ago. But I mean, even the hen, man, ANF custom calls. I'm telling you. They're legit, man. You know, they don't sound like your primos. They don't sound like your Woodhaven. They don't even sound like your talking stick or anything like that. You know, these freaking calls, man, they're their own pitch, their own melody. They're wonderful. Brings yeah. in the turkey, man. They just love them. It's the, that, that little bit of difference that they're not used to hearing in the woods. Most people don't right. have them. You can get right. yourself one, and you can get yourself free shipping using the code WDP. That's right. Absolutely. And we've killed a ton of birds off of them, a ton of birds. I mean, think about West Virginia. We were down there. You were rocking a Woodhaven there for a little bit, right? No, I was rocking Shane Simpsons for a little bit. Oh, the, uh, that's right. That's rocking right. Shane Simpsons, were, the Prodigy Pro. You were rocking uh, the old Shane Simpson call. Yep, and, and then I was rocking you were having AF. good success with it, but there you could tell the difference yeah. between my calls and your calls. There's just a different pitch. Yep, yep. 100%. It's just different. That's, that's not, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I will say that we've had a lot of good success with A&F. And I mean, I'm saying that because I know for a fact that I believe in it true and true. I've killed a lot of turkeys with those calls in my mouth. How many birds do we know have hit the ground yet this year with a and Kyle's got two. We've got one, two. If you count Oklahoma, I forgot my mouth calls in the one I called, but they, the other one, so another three. So that's five that I know of for sure, five birds. This year, so far, just starting out. The PA season hasn't even started yet. Yeah, man. You know, but I, and that's no fault to the call either because Oklahoma, I had them coming right in on a on a rope that last day with my, the A and F custom call in my mouth. The uh, combo cut, triple re combo cut is what I love. That's my go to. The hunter edition, and I had two on a string coming right in. That's a and a coyote. Thing. Uh, coyote chased them off but yeah. we'll get into all that stuff guys we promised the uh turkey stuff that you were seeing uh, i actually videoed austin's kill in west virginia i'm going to be working with Boer on that we should have a video out on our youtube channel very soon with a couple intros as well that uh Boer is graciously working on for us yeah absolutely man and speaking of youtube who do we have on our show today we have the man himself cliff bailey from KEO underscore vlogs, which is Kill em Outdoors. That's how I know him by. Yep. And yep. this is someone that you and Anthony told me about years ago. Yeah, man. I love this guy's channel. He does everything. I mean, you guys are going to hear it. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but if you want like a good all around channel for, you know, New York, Pennsylvania area, this is the guy you want to look at, man. He does everything. It's awesome. Yeah, and he does. He's right on the border. He hunts a lot of New York, a lot of PA, and the man just gets it done. And his, his channel's unbelievable. The content, the flows, it's worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get him on. Yeah, we are long-winded. Let's go. All right, boys and girls, we are back with another episode. We have an amazing guest 
who hails from the great state of New York and not that city part of New York, the good part of New York. We got our buddy Cliff Bailey on the phone with us tonight from KEO Vlogs. You may know it as uh, Kill 'Em Outdoors. What's going on tonight, Cliff? Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. This is, uh, you know, the first time I've ever got to be on a hunting podcast, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you guys. Heck yeah, man! That actually surprises me. I'm, I'm, I am truly surprised that you haven't been on more podcasts because. You have one hell of a channel, man. Uh, I mean, I'll come right out and say it. I've been watching for a while. It's, it's a really good channel. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I put a lot of time and effort into it, so it's always nice to hear people, you know, say that they're enjoying it. Yeah, no, yeah. totally, man. We've been watching for a long time, and, you know, a lot of people that have YouTube channels, you know, they kind of slack a little bit. You put out a ton of content, man. It's just, it's all year round. If it's not, you know, deer hunting, it's shed hunting. If it's not shed hunting, you're killing, uh groundhogs if it's not that you're trapping i mean you're kind of like the jack of all trades when it comes to an outdoorsman man yeah you're right i mean if it's outside and uh you know it's has anything to do with hunting or trapping i'm all about it you know i've been doing it since i was just you know could could literally barely walk i was out with my grandfather and you know this has been really big part of my life my whole life and uh that's where you'll find me is out shooting woodchucks or checking traps or sitting in a stand or trying to strike a bird that's what i live for yeah, sometimes all three at once, it seems like. And yeah. <laughs> all, all bets are off when a woodchuck pops out, man. <laughs> I've come to notice that. You might be in after a, a nice deer, and then one of them come in and start eating out of your food plot. It's game over. Absolutely. The, the target changes at that point. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I know your most recent videos have been a lot, of, uh, a lot more of uh, some long shots and good shots on woodchucks stuff like that but you do like product reviews and different things like that too which we really enjoy i mean it's like austin said continuous content coming in yeah i really i do uh certainly put out a lot of content you know it's not always just hunting like you said it's uh you know different types of product reviews and pretty much anything i'm doing outside i'm i'm getting more into doing like land management type stuff how we uh, manage the property for better deer and turkey hunting and stuff like that. I've got a lot of questions over the last few years about, you know, my food plots and how I set up the property. And I thought, well, you know, what better way to answer these questions than just take the camera with me. So I used to, you know, not really take the camera with me when I'm, when I'm doing food plots and, you know, working on our property. And now I just, I'm like, yeah, you know what, they're going to be part of it all. I'm taking it with me every time I go out and, you know, most of the time I end up shooting woodchucks instead of doing what I'm trying to do, but uh, I'm always out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually awesome. funny that you say that not all your videos are about hunting. I actually stumbled across your channel back when you, you got a dash cam and you're like, this is why every person should have a dash cam in their vehicle. And you got pulled over for running yeah. a stop sign or something. <laughs> then I yeah. ended up seeing your channel. I was like, dude, this guy's awesome. I love this. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was something else. You know, the funny thing with that video is I was it was actually during turkey season and I was going over to my grandparents to have a cup of coffee. A lot of times after uh, I hunt first thing in the morning, I'd go over and see my grandparents and drink a cup of coffee with them before I went to work. And, uh, you know, I was going through town and all of a sudden I see this state trooper pull out behind me and he got right up on me. And I'm like, OK, he's pulling me over for something. I don't know what I did wrong, but clearly he's going to pull me over. And sure enough, he did. And he comes up and says, you know, I seen that. Uh, when you went by, you didn't have your seatbelt on. And I'm like, you know, in all honesty, I'm like, yeah, I did. I had it on the whole time, you know. <laughs> this truck, you don't want to sit in this truck without it on because it'll drive you nuts beeping and dinging and carrying on for, for right. minutes, you know. And 
he's like, well, you know, I seen when you went by, you didn't have it on. And finally I had my camera with me and stuff. I'm like, look, you know, I have a dash cam here and I have a camera on me and one on the road. I'll show you. And, you know, I was able to show him. He's like, wow, it's a handy tool. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, really handy. Because <laughs> I would have got a $150 ticket without it. <laughs> so, That's and that sad. was so random too. And I'm like, uh, I told Kaylee when I got home, and I was like, you know, I should, I should just post that on my video just to, you know, show people how they can be kind of useful in some cases. And Kaylee's like, people aren't going to like that. You know, that's kind of stupid. You know, leave that off your channel. That has nothing to do with hunting. I'm like, well, I was coming back from turkey hunting. <laughs> and uh, I posted it, and the, the video just exploded. I mean, it's over 3 million views now. It's crazy. Holy. Yeah. Nuts. That's awesome, man. Listen, before you get too much into, like, Austin's type of questions, I got to get into <laughs> something you said here first, okay? I got to rewind you. Well, I guess we never introduced you, did we, Austin? No, we tend to do this a lot, Cliff. So. We do. We get rolling on something. We don't let you have a moment to introduce yourself. So first, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, uh, tell maybe a little 10,000-foot view of who you are, your background, how you got into hunting, that kind of thing. Okay, Yeah. So I was born and raised in uh, Chautauqua County, which uh, the town I was actually grew up in is Climber, which is as far, you know, southwestern New York as, as you can get. And uh, I grew up with uh, three siblings. I have two older sisters and an older brother. And, uh, you know, both my grandfathers were big into hunting. And I was fortunate enough that my grandfather actually bought a dairy farm, you know, that had about 500 and some acres on it. Uh, before I was even born. And that's the property that I kind of grew up, you know, I grew up on hunting with my grandfather. Both my grandfathers were big hunters and my dad was into it, but not like, uh, you know, my grandfathers were, so to speak. And then uh, I had a lot of buddies growing up, you know, older, they weren't really my age, but older guys that, you know, took me under their wing and, and took me hunting with them a lot. And uh, so as I got older, I obviously uh, graduated from high school and I joined the service and I was an infantryman for four years and I did my I did my time in the army and then decided that you know shooting woodchucks at home was really you know where I belonged so I got out <laughs> came home and I got a four-year degree and uh, you know I've been working ever since you know that's a something that a lot of people don't realize they think that you know YouTube's kind of like my thing you know i have a full-time job on top of this kaylee and i both do we uh this is just something we do on the side and have fun with it you know we both work full-time jobs and so we have a lot going on <laughs> heck yeah sounds like it first thank you for your service absolutely 100 appreciate that both of us for yeah, sure absolutely man appreciate it no and two it amazes me that you do find time to post as much content as you do because heck you know austin and i both used to take people well, i still kind of take camera Austin's is out of commission right now, but we've both filmed and you will not find any videos on our YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty fortunate. You know, I can, I can uh, just go upstairs to my house and toast a woodchuck 400 yards out in the field behind <laughs> me. So I can, you know, I can get content pretty quick, pretty, pretty easily right here from the house. Yeah. Another neat thing that you do too is uh, like your trail cameras and stuff going over your trail cam footage. And I saw those sheds that you got, holy man yeah. oh, no joke i couldn't believe that guy gave those to you like yeah unreal. he's a you know there's i i bet you i've met you know a guy like him less than 10 times in my entire life he's just a truly 
great guy, you know, and I, I'd never even known this guy, you know, he didn't even know who I was. And I was fortunate enough to just kind of uh, talk to him a little bit and get permission on his property. And he just opened the door and said, man, go for it. And really, really good guy from Ohio. You know, I really appreciate everything he's done for me. Yeah. Just and seems that, like he's just I, a good old school farmer. Yeah. And with that, like it, it gives a lot of other people hope that, you know, don't have the opportunity to hunt, uh, you know, different private lands. If they want to hunt another state, you know, go knock on doors, go find farms and just, you know, you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to tell you most likely no, but you know, there's always that one chance that somebody's going to be like, yeah, absolutely. You know, go ahead and hunt. So it's, there's a chance. (laughs) Absolutely. So what I wanted to get to, you mentioned Turkey and obviously that's the only thing on my brain right now. And I'm sure you too, with it being really close, you mentioned about land management, man. Um, I want to know kind of what you do because we brought this up on past podcasts on how you can improve your turkey land. I want to know what you guys are doing out there to one, improve your turkey land, and then what you do also to improve your turkey numbers as far as like a healthy hatch and stuff like that. So with the turkeys, I think the well, let me start with uh, how I've seen the turkey population decline, you know, since I've since I've been hunting. So when I started hunting turkeys when I was 12, 13 years old, I could stand right here behind my house. And it was never a question of, uh, you know, is there a turkey that's going to gobble? It's, it was always a question of, well, which one's going to be the closest? And mm-hmm. now it's to the point, unfortunately, that like if you hear a turkey gobble, that's the turkey you're hunting because that's probably the only one that's there. Over the years, I've seen the turkey numbers just totally decline, I think, year after year. And I think, you know, the the biggest contributing factor to that is predators. You know, years ago, you had a lot of uh, raccoon trappers and uh, fox, coyote, you know, a lot of people trap because there is money in it. And now there's hardly anybody that traps because there is no money in it. So you have all these predator populations, especially these uh, nest raiders that are way overpopulated. So these hens that are planting all these nests or laying all these nests are getting raided well before, you know, they have time to hatch all these eggs. So I think that's a big contributor to our decline in the turkeys. And the other thing that a lot of people seem to, to not take into consideration is how the farming's changed in the last 15 years. So 15 years ago, you had uh, a lot of small family farms that were milking 40, 50, 60 head of cows. And with that, they would mow their fields usually uh, you know, they usually get their first cutting off May 16th to June 1st would be their first cutting. So in most cases, a lot of those hens had actually hatched that nest before they took off that first mowing. And now these huge farms that are farming all this land are going out and taking these fields down, you know, the first week of May. It's unbelievable that when they're, when they're mowing the fields. So a lot of these nests are getting destroyed by equipment, which... I mean, I'm not going to blame that on anybody. It's just the way it is. So I think that's a big problem with our turkey population. And I think things that we can do as a land manager is trap those predators. I mean, granted, I understand they're not worth anything, but there still has to be checks and balances. We still have to take those raccoons out, those possums out, those and skunks. I mean, anything that's going to raid a turkey nest is an enemy of mine, to be honest with you, you know. Agreed. So I think that's something we can do. And, uh, you know, me personally, I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, ethics or anything like that. But me personally, when there's a fall hunting season, I'm not shooting a hen turkey. And they're off limits to me. Just knowing, you know, the population that we have around here and knowing that there's a chance that that hen could, you know, have nine 
poults in the spring. I'm not shooting a hen. Yeah. <laughs> I I asked that question and hope for that exact response, to be honest, because I have the exact I share the exact same opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the uh, the nest raiders are the number one factor. The the farming aspect that you mentioned was something new to me. I would have never thought about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that that makes total sense as well. Uh, I think it's time that we start holding some uh, raccoon trapping contests like they do with coyotes. Absolutely. Some kind of prize. And uh, maybe the game commission could get behind this at some point and use some of their dollars that we put into licenses and create this to have better habitat for turkey since the population is declining. I agree with you. When I was 12 years old, uh, there was three to four big, big flocks of birds on the same property now that you might see a single flock on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things I didn't mention uh, that we really didn't have around here 10, 15 years ago is fishers. You know, oh, yeah. the fisher population has absolutely exploded like nothing I've ever seen around here over the past you know, five years. And uh, I think they're trouble. I think that, you know, they're a problem. And the issue in New York State or here in Western New York that we have is that we only have a five day season. And they don't make it easy for us to trap fishers. We have to go get a special permit. And when we catch a fisher, we have to go, you know, sign it in. The game commission has to come and tag it and, uh, you know, take a tooth out of one. And it's just a, a they make it really hard to get to to manage the fishers. And uh, from what I'm seeing on our property here is just an unbelievable increase in the amount of fishers over the past five years. And I think that's detrimental to our turkeys as well. Yeah, fishers are vicious, man, you know, and it doesn't help that they can climb trees and get them in the roost and, nope. you know, they they are, they're a serious predator, you know, something that goes and just actively hunts porcupines, nope. that, that's an impressive animal and, you know, if he's taken up against a turkey, you know, he's going to he's gonna win every time. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's one of the good things they do is take out porcupines, but that's about the only thing I think. Yeah, yeah. Which I believe is the whole reason they introduced them in the first place, I, I think, is to reduce por- porcupines. But, I mean, nobody saw it coming that they were going to climb trees and kill a bunch of turkeys as well. I mean, I know last year for a fact that they were the sole reason why. I mean, one weekend we went there, saw all these turkey, had great encounters, had goblin birds everywhere. The next weekend we went back, there wasn't a bird within a two-mile radius, and then my buddy saw Fisher on that same ridge climbing a tree. So I'm pretty sure he ran them out of town. Yep. I, I, uh, definitely would agree. They're, they're pretty hard on our turkeys. The other thing that I know a lot of people, you know, wouldn't back this and it would be hard for me to even accept it, but you know, taking it down to one spring Turkey in New York, I know a lot of people wouldn't like that. And I understand why they wouldn't, but I mean, there's a small group of guys that kill, you know, they're, there are two turkeys every year, and the reality of it is a lot of them guys are taking away a turkey from somebody that can only hunt on the weekends, you know, that's working a full-time job and can't get out there during the week and hunt. So, and with the turkey populations like they are, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not speaking for the entire state of New York. I'm speaking for in my area that I get to go out and I get to see exactly what's going on in our woods. You know, I think it wouldn't be uh, out of the realm to, to drop it down to one spring turkey a person. Yeah, that's how it's been here for a very long time, but you are able to purchase a bonus turkey tag here so you can get two. You have to do it before the season um, starts to get the second here in Pennsylvania, as I'm sure you know, because you hunt both states as well. 
Yep. You know, we're up in Northwest PA. We hunt a lot of the big woods up in uh, north, north part of PA too. So mm-hmm. we're not too, too far apart and we're seeing similar results. Yeah. I'm sure the Fisher thing's even worse by you, but because I know it's bad up in our northern woods, but it's, it's even moving down. I saw one locally here and we're not in a very uh, super rural area. And I saw one here, you know, a couple miles from Austin's house. Uh, not too long ago, a couple of years back, you know, living on the creek bottoms. And it's a combination. It's a very deadly combination. They got to do something. You know, Pennsylvania got rid of some fall seasons in certain areas, including our own area where, where we live. Uh, they got rid of our fall turkey season. They got rid of shooting with rifles, which I don't know why anybody would ever want to shoot a turkey with a rifle. That's beyond me. Austin, you ever shoot a turkey with a rifle? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he did, I bet you he would have said no. Oh, man. You know, the fall, it's my favorite time. You know, I take out the 300 wind mag, and I, I get looking for gobblers, man. <laughs> I, I could see it. I could see it. I figured you'd be the type. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> you know, we don't really even hunt. I usually go out, like, Thanksgiving morning. That's my, That has been my tradition in the last four years, go out Thanksgiving morning and try to shoot one with the, with the gun, a um an actual gobbler not a not a hen i i i did shoot one bearded hen i will say that was one of my first birds i ever shot uh, today i probably wouldn't do the same thing because now i actually understand and know the conservation part behind turkey yep. where before i was just hunting turkeys to hunt turkeys yeah uh, you know but after having the podcast it's it's taught me a lot we've talked to guys like lock wheeler and some mm-hmm. um, people that really know the biology of turkey and uh, yeah it's amazing how you as a hunter in general, you know, as you hunt, you know, a lot of years, you kind of mature as a hunter too. You know, the goals that I had when I was a young buck in the woods are a lot different than now. You know, I'm now when I go to the woods, I'm more after, you know, just like a, a really nice, good experience, you know, hunting whatever I'm hunting. So, you know, a lot of times I'm after really good footage. You know, if everything's not totally perfect, sometimes I won't even take a shot. Just whereas, trying to i guess i'm trying to explain when i was younger it was all just make the shot you know now mm-hmm. it's it's more just go out and enjoy being in the woods and not think about work for a second yeah i'm right there uh-huh. with you man i think i think really everybody's kind of chasing that good experience you know but you know you having a youtube channel and, and filming like that i mean it makes sense you want to kill them with the camera more than you want to kill them with the weapon you know i, I like that mm-hmm. yeah last year i don't know if you guys watched uh the opening day of Pennsylvania last year, I had a just an awesome hunt on this uh, field. I had a, a big gobbler come out across the field, and I had a Jake decoy set up over a hen that was like a breeder-style hen. And uh, he came, and he just beat the tar out of the Jake decoy and then jumped up on it. And I just sat there with the camera, and I just watched him for what seemed like an eternity. I thought I had watched him for like 10 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, I'll shoot him now. And I shot him, and here I went back and watched it. And I'd only been watching it for like, a minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that took some balls, man. I'll tell you. As yeah. I watched it, I'm like, I've always wanted that experience. But, you know, even in Oklahoma, just last week, uh, I was out there last last weekend. And I had all these birds coming in right to the decoy. Probably would have done the same thing. There's five birds coming in on one decoy. As soon as they got my lane, I was just, <laughs> boom! <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's, you know... <laughs> take some discipline but yeah yeah i'll be i'll work on it yeah (laughs) still progressing (laughs) yeah 
it was if it was probably you know a few weeks into the season and I'd been hunting really hard it probably as soon as it hit to about 30 yards I probably would have rolled him but since yeah. it was opening day and I was just you know that's probably the only reason uh it worked out yeah no that was that was actually a good video I, I watched that one uh, just the other day again um the fog and the whole setting yeah um, that, did he even gobble much or did he come in quiet he gobbled a few times on the roost, and I got him okay. to answer when he hit the ground once, and uh, that was it. I never he, – he didn't gobble much at all, really. That's what I thought. I thought he came in pretty quiet. Yeah. And then he just beat the tar, like you said, out of that deep. Well, that was cool. That was really yeah. cool. And he then did. Your, uh, your red dot died. And yeah. And you had to without. Man, I, you made a great shot. Yeah, I put it right <laughs> in the middle and just – well, that's where it used to be, I think. So I shot, and it was. I mean, it, the, you can actually see the pattern. It was just perfect right around its head and neck. But mm -hmm. that's a terrible feeling to pull your – to decide, okay, I'm ready to shoot, and pull up, and you're like, well, there's no dot in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this, will, this is going to have to work. Luckily, it, it did. Yeah. I'm still rocking the bead at the end of the barrel. That's That's my go-to. Yeah, I, I did that for years and years. I don't know why I decided to go with the red dot, but I did. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I jumped into the red red dot game last year. I uh, wanted to kill one with a four ten so bad, man. I got oh, yeah. a little four ten, threw a red dot on there, and you know every bird that came in when I had that gun just too far, just out of range with that thing. But you know, it's it's a little bit more fun. It's it, it's limiting you. It's almost felt like I was taking like a recurve out on a whitetail hunt. You know. Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said for that. Something, something a little different, you know. That's really rewarding about you know doing it with a 410 or or a recurve on a deer. It's a different feeling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although you put the right choke on those things with those TSS nine shots, and you can reach out to dang near 50 yards just as you can with a 20 gauge. Or You're 12. not kidding. I was watching some videos on YouTube actually just the other day of guys with 410 setups, and I was like, wow. <laughs> Shooting, shooting patterns with them way so, up yes. yeah we patterned with a buddy of ours he has a 410 he patterned with uh his gun next to my 12 gauge and even though the, the, i was doing five shot uh he was shooting nine shots i mean the bb's the pellets that uh were in that was unreal i mean yeah. it was unreal yeah <laughs> you know you know i'm seeing a lot more turkey hunters using a 410 I, I think that's becoming a bigger thing now. Yeah. Austin, why'd you go with it? Just for the uh, the challenge? Yeah, I went with it for the challenge and something different. I mean, kind of last year was really the first year that I feel like that people were like 410 all the way. It was a new fad, you know. It's just trying something different. You know, I, I'd never really seen anybody kill one with a 410 and then all of a sudden there's a 410 turkey gun out. You know, why not? Let's Let's give it a go. Yeah, yep, they heard about you using it, Austin. We're like, we're jumping on. Yeah, totally, man. You know, <laughs> that's definitely what happened. Definitely. Maybe, what happened. maybe I'll go pick one up and and go out with it on Saturday. And... <laughs> I, I almost did, it, man. I almost did mostly for that for like my nephew and stuff, so he could use it for youth. Um, oh yeah, that'd be great. I I just didn't buy my. I was gonna buy one. I had one that was at a local gun shop here. I was gonna pick it up, and I was like. Uh, then I got to buy the choke. There's another X amount of dollars. Then I got to find ammo because you can't find shells anywhere right now. Or reloading anything. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I got my shells for my 12 gauge and my 20 gauge. It's going to have to work. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. But speaking of the youth season, man, I think we were talking before we hit the record button here that you're going out this Saturday for a youth season in New York or PA? You said PA, right? Yep, I'm taking uh, I'm taking youth out in PA on Saturday, and then I'm taking one out in New York on Sunday. So awesome. We'll be doing a little bit of both. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it. The both the guy both the kids are super excited, and like I had told you before, you know, it's it's almost more exciting for me to see a kid shoot a turkey, especially his first one. It's you know, to it's just an exciting moment. You guys both know, I'm sure, that we've been part of it. Oh yeah, I've been taking out even uh, like mentoring adult new hunters on their first turkeys the last couple of years and uh our good buddy i got him his first bird last year man he was jacked up and it was just mm-hmm. such a good experience so much fun yeah that's awesome to to get somebody else to feel what you know you've been feeling for years and you know show them why you've got that drive you know and all of a sudden everything in their mind clicks like okay i understand it i get it now yeah so, I mean, that's, it is though. That's why we wake up at four in the morning, you know, every day for X amount of days in a row and get out there in the dark and set up whatever and, you know, walk away. I do more for turkey hunting than I probably do it for deer hunting at this point and yeah. carry more stuff in and everything else. But there's a lot of people that, especially in our area, they hunt deer, you know, and there's that, that wide group of people that are kind of just like the rifle deer hunters. Right. And, uh, that's kind of what they do. That's when they hunt. They go out for deer season and they rifle hunt. And I'm perfectly okay with that. But nobody seems to turkey hunt. Like we don't have a lot of turkey hunters that I know personally, like friend wise. Mm-hmm. We have a few and, and some aren't as serious as other. And then we have some of them hardcore turkey hunters. But I'm always like, guys, you've never turkey hunted? Come with yeah. me. I'll take you. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. take you. You know, I want to be the guy that takes them every time. Yeah. I think, uh, Speaking of like turkey hunters in my area, we have a ton of turkey hunters. And uh, last year, you know, with uh, the pandemic and stuff, it was the craziest turkey season I've ever seen in my life on public land. I mean, you know, people that normally have been working every year, uh, you know, had had uh, time off that they normally wouldn't have. So they were always out turkey hunting. And it was actually kind of cool to see that many people, you know, experiencing the spring woods. And it was frustrating at times for me, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to sit back and realize that you have power in numbers and the more people you get out turkey hunting and the more people you get involved with hunting period is just all around better for you and I and the hunting community in general. You know, the more people, the better, you know, try to get as many people doing this stuff as possible. And, you know, you just have so much more pull and power. Okay. Yeah, no, I yeah. totally agree, man. I'm, I can vouch for the public land last year. I was all over the place. And, you know, it's it's one of those things like years past, you drive around, pretty much seemed like you get in, you pull into a parking lot, there might be a guy there, maybe. A lot of parking lots totally empty. Last year, if you didn't pull in a parking lot and there was two or three trucks there, it was weird. Like, <laughs> it was I insane. Was I had a bird that I hunted really hard and I, I did kill it finally. And uh, I was getting to the parking lot at i mean four o'clock three fifty four o'clock in the morning just to beat people there and i'm and i'm not uh i'm not one of them guys that if i'm the first one there like i i own the woods you know right if somebody else comes after that i'll just let them know you know look this is where i'm planning on going you're more than welcome to uh go wherever you want around it you know this is public land i I don't own a piece of this you can go right next to me if you want yeah Yeah. this is where i'm gonna be (laughs) So I'm not one of them guys that's going to, you know, I ran into some pretty, pretty, uh, 
I don't know what you'd want to call it, but rude people on public land. But, uh, you know, you just got to get there early and, and let everybody know where you're going to be. And uh, you can have a pretty awesome hunt on public land. Yeah. Turkey hunting's not waterfowl hunting. They need to realize that. Like, keep all that fighting and bickering and waterfowl. Let them have it. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you're right, you know, and I, I laugh every time I see some of these Southern guys and I watch a lot of guys from the South that have YouTube channels and they pull into a parking lot. They see one truck, they, they drive past it and go to the next parking lot. And that's just how it, I'm like, no, no, that, that doesn't work up here. Like you don't understand if you do that, you'll drive all day and you'll never get a spot to hunt. Yeah. It's just not feasible. Right. I mean, a lot of the big woods they have so many pull offs and there's usually two to three trucks pull, holding them. And it was like that last year. I, I will say the same thing where it looked like the scene from first day of rifle normally where there's like four or five trucks in every parking lot. It looked like that for first day of turkey last year. It was insane. Yeah. Kaylee and I had a, a crazy situation on public land last year. It was the same bird that I had hunted really hard and I finally ended up killing uh, eventually. But uh, it was a Saturday morning, so I'm like, okay, this is going to be a rodeo. And uh, we got up really early and got there, and uh, Kaylee and I were down in the woods, and we were kind of uh, staged back waiting for that first gobble before we made the move on this bird. And this bird had only been gobbling like two or three times. Uh, you know, that was it. So we knew we had to capitalize when he made that first gobble and get to right where I wanted to be or we wanted to be. And as we were standing there, I, I see a light coming down through the woods and here comes two guys and, you know, we talked to them and it's like, we're going to wait for him to gobble, but we had a pretty good idea. I had a pin on Onyx as to where I thought he was going to be. And I said, well, you know, you guys get right on the backside and we'll, we'll pretty much surround this bird. So, you know, at the end of the morning, this thing's going to go by somebody. So we made a game plan as we got down there, we had three more people come in from the oh, other fine. side. So we're like, okay, well, let's, Try not to shoot each other, but the turkey's most likely going to be right in this area. And uh, the turkey ended up gobbling, I think, one time that morning. And then somebody started screaming and yelling at another hunter that was out in the private field. <laughs> and just screaming across the whole field. And Kaylee and I are like, oh, <laughs> you, you, only on public land would this ever happen. And uh, we ended up just leaving. But it was just an absolute rodeo. Crazy. <laughs> That actually reminds me. So last year, I think it was, might have been first week of archery season, man. I got into this setup and I, I ended up doing a bump and dump because I was going in and I just, I kicked up this buck and I was like, all right, I'm just going to drop right here. Here's his bed. You know, I got up in the tree and I was hanging there and probably 20 minutes before last light, I hear the thwack. You know, there was another hunter off. He he couldn't have, it was really thick. He couldn't have been a hundred yards, you know, I hear this thwack and I hear this deer running and all of a sudden I hear this guy go, yes, and the whole woods just echoes with this guy. And I go, well, there goes my hunt and there goes the buck. <laughs> no. It was hilarious, man. But just people yelling on public land, that it just reminded me of it. I don't know why. Yeah. Should have went over and shook his hand. So congratulations. Nice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it just kind of happened in uh, Oklahoma too with our buddies that was there with us. Uh, they were in my blind on this field waiting for these birds that we'd roosted the night before. And they flew down right into their setup. There was a the gobbler, and like five hens and back and forth, back and forth. They shoot the bird and they jump out of the blind. They run over to it and they look and they start celebrating and they look over and here's this like eight month 
pregnant lady with like a three-year-old that was hunting like a hundred yards from her. They had no clue. Knew, neither knew each other were there the whole yeah. time. She never called at them, nothing. They never saw her. They yeah. jump out, start celebrating, look over, and there's this little three-year-old just running at them to come see the bird. Like it was, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's something else. It was cool, man. It was really cool. I, I didn't even know that part of the, the whole thing until after the fact. They told us that story. I was like, you didn't know they were there? Like, yeah. no, there's like a bend in the, in the tree line, and they couldn't tell that they were there. They had decoys out and everything, but apparently they put their decoys in the wheat field. So where, like, the wheat stopped, there was only about a quarter inch of their head sticking up over top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was good. It was real good. So what do you think? You want to get into uh, some some deer hunting talk, or do you want to stick with the turkey stuff? Yeah, I, I could talk deer, turkey, you name it. I could talk it. Whatever you guys want to do. Well, you started talking about recurve a little bit there, and it got me thinking about. Um, I was not going to bring up the video. That's typically something I do, and you know, it it's been like a curse for me lately, man. I ask how your season was, and you know, it it's happened like three times in the recent past year. I've asked, and there's been a bad video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I had a heartbreaker with a recurve. That's for sure. Pennsylvania buck, I had it like seven yards, and. I choked. Nothing else I can say other than I made a bad shot, and it was it was it was heartbreaking to get an opportunity at a at a nice deer like that and have everything come together. You know, like perfect over the shoulder video. You know, everything was just perfect, other than the fact that I didn't capitalize. And then the worst part of the whole thing was I thought I smoked it. You know, yeah, I thought I heart shot it, and uh, I didn't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it kind of looked like it from the angle. Like you said, we were basically the same angle as you from that over-the-shoulder cam. Yep. And the way it came in and just skipped through like that. It, I mean, yeah. it looked good. It, it looked good. It was just uh, that little bit back. Yep. The arrow, like you said, when it hit, it actually it actually kicked up a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I you know, I always aim a little bit low out to 20 yards. I don't shoot it farther than 20 yards, but I always aim a little low because it, that thing sounds like a bomb going off when you let it go and the deer just ducked really hard. But, you know, I didn't take into consideration him being so close. He was not going to have time to duck as far as I had anticipated, you know, to duck. Right. And uh, just, I mean, it's all, it's all on me. I made a bad shot. It, it was, it is what it is. You know, the deer did get shot by the neighbor. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you I know, know. yeah. Use it as a learning experience, man. That's all you can do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It happened so fast too, and in the experience, I couldn't even imagine like that in the moment with uh, with a recurve or traditional equipment trying to keep it together on a on a buck like that. But I, I think also, I mean, the other part that probably hurt you is that the deer wasn't really aware that you were there. No, you know? no, he had no clue. He never moved. I mean, he never moved. How many deer? I I can tell you on the deer that I've shot that close with a compound bow and they still duck and it still hits higher than typical. You know, it's just crazy. It's crazy that it didn't happen. That was the one time. And I, you know, you, you, you can beat yourself up, but at the end of the day, you know, I think you had the right plan in mind and obviously put yourself in the right position and you've shot a lot enough to know your equipment. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something I take pride in with my channel too. You know, you guys literally see my hunting season every time, 
you know, nothing's nothing's a secret on my channel. I, I show you, you know, how it is. And when I miss, guess what? You guys get to see it, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I take pride in that. You know, I think that there are some channels out there that, you know, just show the, the positives. And I, I, you know, that's their choice. But I think people, it's good for people to see people like you and I, you know, make bad shots sometimes. And, yeah. you know, it happens. It is what it is. You know, yeah. nobody's perfect, so... I yeah. just wish I wish I could make a perfect shot every time, but it's just not reality. No, sure. You do something like this long enough, you're going to make shots like that. Yeah. You know, that's part of the game. That's part of the game, man. Yeah. Let's let's think about something a little more positive. What about something positive out of your season last year? And there's a lot of positive. It was uh, certainly a year, you know, for my family that will never. I I'm sure will never touch again. You know, my wife shot two really nice bucks. I shot two really nice bucks and then shot a, a good buck in Pennsylvania with a bow. And my, I got my father to shoot a really nice buck. And then my grandfather came and shot a really nice buck. And then my uncle shot two. I mean, I could go on. <laughs> it was really a, a season like, you know, none other. Uh, so I don't even know where to start. That would be a long conversation if I went through each one, but it was pretty awesome. About the, uh, the story from the ground when you shot that buck. So that was the the brow tine buck in the red, yes. and uh, that was that whole deal was a fluke. So we'd been hunting. There's two bucks that you know we're spending a lot of time in that brush. The buck that I called the bully eight, and the buck that we that I killed with, that we called uh, big brow. And we had been hunting them. I, I could explain to you the, the situation. Uh, we'd been hunting them from the top, and we have food plots up top. And there's a bottom section that we can't see from the top. So there's a, there's a place right below our house here that uh, is we really don't know what's going on other than the fact that we have cameras down there. And my wife, on her way to work, she goes to work at you know, like 5 in the morning, 5.30. And she, she told me a few times, like, Cliff, there's this huge buck that has been crossing the road almost every morning when I go to work. And I'm like, well, you know, it's got to be the bully eight or it's got to be big brow one of those two bucks and uh so sure enough we were coming home one night and he crossed into the red brush late you know right after it got dark so i knew he was in there and i thought well you know maybe i can catch him in the morning you know at first light trying to get back across the road out of that brush where he's staying so i got down there and uh, everything was good and then the wind changed and i felt the wind hit the back of my neck and kind of blow right to the bread brush, which is where that buck was bedding. And I'm like, okay, this is the worst case scenario. He's going <laughs> to smell me and I'm going to blow him out of here. And a big mature buck like that in our area, when you blow him out of a spot like that, you know, you've, you've kind of shot yourself in the foot. You know, they don't make mistakes like that very often. And uh, I heard some, some twigs and stuff start breaking in the brush. And, you know, as soon as my wind changed and went in there, it kicked the, it kicked this buck up and he took off running and there's a fence line at the top of the food plot. And he was going to run that fence line across the road. And as soon as he came out, I just seen horns and I, I pulled up and uh, it was just a totally quick, he was going to run across the field and I shot and uh, he turned back around to go into the red brush and just piled up right there. And it was like, it was crazy. It just happened so fast. I, I remember like reaching for the camera and then going, I no, I got to shoot it. Like it, there's, <laughs> he, he didn't just come out there, you know, chewing on brassicas. <laughs> he was, yeah. he was ready to leave. And uh, so that was a story of big brow. And that was a deer that we'd watched for three years. So pretty exciting to, to finally uh, put a nail in his coffin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally, man. Totally. You know, another video that I saw posted here pretty recently was that, uh, 
the pistol kill, man. Yeah. 500 Smith and Wesson, man. Yeah. 500 S and W. I'll tell you what, I couldn't hear for like a week after that. I bet. <laughs> you want hearing protection with, with a 500 S and W with a muzzle brake. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But that was a pretty, pretty lucky shot. Really. The deer was like <laughs> 95 yards away through this really thick woods. And I was actually a kind of, a kind of uh surprised when I shot and she dropped. I'm like, wow, I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. That's something that I've been trying to I've been dabbling with it the past couple of years trying to get one with a pistol. I've been taking out the 44 mag, but you know, I have an opportunity to take the 500 Smith and Wesson. It's just a beast of a gun, man, and I don't feel like lugging it around, but having that's seen that video, I might have to do it this year. I might just have to. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I I would recommend it. Oh, man, that thing's a beast. <laughs> I'd like you to get into even some of uh, Kaylee's hunts. I know that you're pretty involved on some of her hunts as well, and uh, she is a killer, man. Yeah, she is. She's killed some really nice deer over the years. Uh, she she doesn't have the amount of time to hunt that I do, but when she does, she takes advantage of it. I think it was three years ago now, she killed a really nice buck with her bow. She uh, climbed up, and there's a, a big crick crossing right here in the back of our field, and uh, she climbed up a tree in her climber and sat in there for a few hours and had this really nice eight point come by and stuck it. And it's like, you know, just totally natural for her. It's, you know, you don't see that very often. And uh, she shot some really good ones with a rifle as well. But she she gets excited. It's fun. It's fun with her. Yeah, I told you. I mean, she could have came on tonight. and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you didn't want her to show you up. That's fine. <laughs> I understand. Exactly. You know, sometimes I question if people are watching my channel for me, if they're more interested in Kaylee. So, <laughs> you know, one of the weirdest things. You know, if, I, if I could get Kaylee in a bikini shooting woodchucks, I'd be everything would be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The subscribers, they're, they're just skyrocketing, man. Oh, it, they'd explode for sure. <laughs> oh, Do it man. For the Unreal. Do it for the gram. <laughs> I don't think I could talk her into it, though. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I was going to say one of the things that, oddly enough, I don't know why, but always stands out to me in your videos is like that morning coffee moment that you always get. I yeah. don't know why. It's like you hit, you film it perfectly. I don't, it always gets me. Like that morning coffee just stands out to me whenever I watch your videos. Well, I'll tune in on uh, Saturday night because, you know, first thing for the youth hunt, I'll be hitting up that coffee pot and I'll get you that film, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that coffee pot's like famous in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I watch for the coffee pot, not for you or Kaylee. Just so yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I'll make sure I keep I keep that coffee shot going. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, people. You know, it's weird. You're not the only one that said that. There's other people that have told me. You know, the coffee shot. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess it's really a thing. It's not just you know one person. Not just just a couple strange ones out there of us that, that yeah. enjoy watching a channel to watch you pour coffee in the morning. <laughs> Not the beer that you kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or two woodchucks. But yeah, I mean, I you know what? One of the biggest things, you know, in our area is obviously tradition, man. And I, I love to hear you talk about like the deep rooted traditions and hunting that goes through your family and with you and Kaylee and now with your nieces and nephews or whoever you're bringing out. Um, you know, it's just something that I really enjoy watching too, like the, the progression of your niece and nephew growing up and what yep. the, because I think that's pretty cool too, man. 
Yeah, I can't wait till uh, Abby and Levi are, you know, old enough to start doing the youth turkey hunt and, and uh, be able to do that stuff. That's going to be just an absolute blast. I can't mm-hmm. wait for that. But yeah, yeah our family really, uh, the tradition thing has, you know, been strong in our family for years and years. You know, opening day of uh, rifle season, we always get together and we have a big, you know, uh, pre-hunt breakfast and uh, we talk about, you know, the deer and where everybody's going to be hunting and whatnot. Uh, you know, years ago, we would always do, you know, deer drives and stuff. It was, you know, the hunting was totally different, you know, even even 10 years ago than it is now. But, you know, we would all talk about where we were going to post up and, you know, walk through and, you know, and, and uh, you know, people, a lot, a lot of people have opinions about deer drives and whatnot. But, you know, my favorite thing about you don't do deer drives to necessarily kill big deer or whatever. I enjoy them because of the camaraderie of the guys, you know, you get this big group of buddies together, family in our case, and, you know, you get to, it's exciting hunting, you know, it's nothing's happening. Well, we can make it happen right now. Yeah, you know, right. so, you know, that's what I enjoy about it. You know, even though we really don't do that anymore. Uh, that's one of the things I really did enjoy about, about deer drives when we did them. Yeah. So I would agree. one of the things that we haven't done in, in quite some time, you know, we used to do it almost on every podcast, but, you know, we kind of got away from it. But, you know, I feel like you're one of those guests that it just it, it's suiting. You know, if you could reach back in your mind and just think about when you first started hunting, what would be like one solid piece of advice that you would give a brand new hunter? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, a brand new hunter advice. You know, I would I would certainly say wear some uh some good warm clothes because some of my first hunts i absolutely almost froze to death with my grandfather and almost ruined it for me forever so i think you'd want to be well prepared so you you actually enjoy the experience and and uh and 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 you're not miserable yeah 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 i kind of caught you off guard with that one a little bit yeah, you did. Yeah. I really I don't totally have any, any I don't have anything clever for you to be honest. No, that's okay. Yeah. You know, I actually appreciate that one because you know, most people do they, they don't. They they underdressed oftentimes, especially walking in, they might overdress and then they get sweaty and you know, then they freeze to death. So Yeah. I actually remember when I was just really little, I was with my grandpa Skelly and uh we were walking uh down over this hillside and there was uh, no joke there was four feet of snow and i was probably only seven or eight years old and of course four feet of snow to somebody that's only five feet tall is quite deep and uh i remember walking down through there and i was so cold and freezing and just shivering and whatnot and i remember thinking you know i can't tell my grandpa i'm cold because then he's never going to take me again so i'm pretty sure i almost got hypothermia and died when i was like seven just because i didn't want to tell my grandfather that i was cold and that he wouldn't take me again you know i didn't want to be i didn't want to bother him or be a burden to him at the time (laughs) i i all i honestly forgot austin that we used to ask that question on the regular we did Um, i brought it up and let me mold your answer then a little bit here cliff because in the same sense to give that advice to young people let's give the same advice to the people that are mentoring youth and taking them out hunting make sure you take them out in better conditions to better their experience which is why i think going back to turkey that spring turkey most of the time not anymore it seems like on youth day but usually you get better weather 
a little better conditions and you can make the experience a little better for kids too. So their first experiences are ones that really stick with them. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's extremely important to make sure that, you know, whether they're turkey hunting or deer hunting or, or, or doing any type of hunting that you make it as, as good as possible. You know, you want that experience to be fantastic. You know, you don't want to take them out in a, in a blizzard and, uh, you know, let them sit to the base of a tree and get wet and freeze because that experience is not, not likely, uh, going to be one that they're going to want to repeat. So yeah. that's certainly important. Glad you pointed that out. Yeah. I, I made the mistake with, uh, bringing my wife hunting a couple times in some really bad conditions. And I think Austin can attest that he's done the same with his wife. And maybe there was some different motives we had there, but. It didn't turn out well. Let's just say that. <laughs> but Austin, Austin didn't want his wife hunting, and he was proving a point, or what? <laughs> no, I think Chuck's just trying to throw me under the bus with that one. <laughs> oh, I said myself. I, I, but I remember you bringing your wife rabbit hunting on one of the worst rabbit hunts we've probably ever been on. Yeah. So I was speaking to that as well. Yeah. yeah. No, that my situation. I've taken her out twice, and both days were probably the coldest days out of the year i mean both times one was a deer hunt we got like two and a half feet of snow opening day it was probably four or five years ago absolutely freezing cold and then the second time was a rabbit hunt again in the snow and it was probably negative 10 with the wind chill you know she just agrees to go hunting with me on the worst days that's just what <laughs> how it works yeah. out and then she never wants to I go agree. again yeah, you don't think about it as like a kid or trying to make the experience right. And same yeah. thing, you know, I brought my wife out rabbit hunting once. It was absolutely horrible. Foot of snow on the ground, just trudging through terrible property where we saw like one rabbit all day. And then yeah. coyote hunting where I think we blew out a coyote, but we sat there in the freezing cold for like four hours. So, yeah, that's not yeah. fun. We, we blew it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But I did get her to agree to maybe go turkey hunting with me. Let me do the hunting and she'll just come sit with me. So that's a start. Yeah. You know, the, the trick is to get a camera in her hand, get her filming for you. That's probably what I'll end up doing. I'll the, put the, issue, camera the issue I had with Kaylee is, you know, that was my whole thought process. And, you know, I gave her a gun one time and she never took the camera back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's solid. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well. I don't know where we stand on time, Austin, but do you want to hit the uh, favorite story then? Yeah, man, we're getting there closer. So, my favorite story? Yes, sir. Yeah, favorite hunting story of all time, man. It could be your biggest deer, it could be your first deer, could be a favorite turkey hunt, could be, you know, uh, a squirrel hunt. Well, I I think we talked about my favorite turkey hunt with the uh, with that bird, you know, in Pennsylvania opening day last year. That was just a picture perfect hunt. Everything went great. The, uh, that was that was one that you know, I'll remember forever. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, if there's one single other hunt that really stands out to me, probably it was actually a hunt with my wife last year. It was the very last day of rifle season. We hunted this buck we called stickers or kickers. And he had a couple kickers. He was a mainframe 10 point with a few kickers off the base. And, uh, this buck was super nocturnal and he was spending all this time across the road from where we were. And, it was literally the very last day of rifle season, and the neighbor, it just so happened that, you know, there was some deer out on the hill above us, right on the, our property line. The neighbor snuck over the hill and smoked a doe with, like, 
10 minutes left of legal shooting light and all the deer cleared off the food plot. And I kind of looked at Kaylee and I said, well, that's a wrap on the rifle season. And, uh, you know, we were actually getting ready to, uh, pick everything up. And I looked down and I see this deer coming across the strip food plot in the very back corner there. And I could tell right away it had a huge mature looking body and everything. And uh, I grabbed the binoculars and looked at it. And um, I remember seeing it in the binos and thinking, oh, my gosh, that's him. That's kickers. And, uh, you know, Kaylee frantically got the gun up and he was kind of walking pretty fast. And Kaylee made the shot and she made a perfect shot. on him. She heart shot him. But it looked like it, she had gut shot him in the video. He kicked and everything. And. Uh, it was literally with like three minutes of legal shooting light left on the very last day of rifle season, she killed that buck. And it was at a time that like all hopes were gone, you know, all the deer had just ran off the plot. And uh, it was, it was just like, it's hard to explain, but like I had no, I had absolutely one in a million chance that that deer was going to get killed at that point. And it happened. So that was a hunt that I'll never forget. You know, it was cool. That's awesome, man. What a killer story. Yeah. yeah. I'm grinning ear to ear because that's uh, very similar to my, my big buck that I killed. I was I remember I was hunting with Austin, and I just remember at one point I put my bow down. I was in my climber, and I just sat back and took it all in. Like, well, that's my season, man. Another season gone by without a buck, and, uh, you know, that's pretty much wraps, and then it all just happened. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it seems like when you when you throw in the towel last minute, all of a sudden you, you just forget that things can change in a blink of an eye. And that's another reason why I think we continue to enjoy the outdoors and get out there and hunt because you put all that time and effort in for that, that split moment. Yeah. The hunt I had my, the hunt that I had with my grandfather this year is going to be one that, you know, I'll remember the rest of my life. It was just a really cool experience to sit there and bullshit with, you know, my grandfather and, uh, to have that buck come out and then him make a perfect shot on it. And, uh, you know, in the hunt with my father, like I said, this year was unbelievable. The whole year is just uh, full of memories that uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hold on to forever. And then the, the hunt with Kaylee this year, we had just got up in the shanty and we look up and there's this huge buck just standing on the edge of the food plot. It's like, <laughs> are you, that's, there he is, babe, <laughs> shoot him. <laughs> unbelievable. One for the books, man. Definitely. It really was. Oh, yeah. man. Well, we don't want to take up your whole night, brother. It is your time to shine. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those fun places. Yeah, so it's uh, my YouTube channel is called KEO Vlogs. And uh, I have an Instagram that's KEO underscore underscore vlogs. And I'm on Facebook at Kill em Outdoors. Really, the go-to is YouTube. That's that's really where I uh, all the bread and butter is. I, I try to manage the other stuff, but... I'll be honest with you. I'm a lot better in the woods than on a computer. <laughs> so. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And you have a uh, you have a Patreon also, and you sell some shirts and stuff too, don't you? Yes, we do have a, a Patreon account, and we sell hats, t-shirts, and we just got some sweet koozies, uh, you know, for pop and stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That uh, soda pop. <laughs> pretty darn cool. If I had one sitting here, I'd show you guys on the Zoom deal, but I don't have one. But yeah, we have. Uh, we do. We dabble with all kinds of stuff. Heck yeah, man. But well, we might have to get on there and get some of your gear and do a little gear swap if you'd be up for something like that. Absolutely. Just send me your info and I'll send it out to you. That'd be cool, man. Well, hey, Cliff, appreciate you, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Like I said, we love your channel, dude. We're, we're big fans. 
avid watchers and uh we really appreciate you taking time out of your night man and and congratulations on an absolute amazing 2020 season it's definitely one for the books one that you'll uh look back on for years absolutely you know i i really uh, can't thank you guys enough for having me on here and uh i hope to maybe sit down and have a cup of coffee with you someday you know maybe, <laughs> maybe i can get you in the shot with a coffee some morning that'd be that'd be great you got it, man. We ain't that far apart. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, brother. Okay.